We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. And we're back for another podcast. Look at me. Doing it again. Awesome. So this uh, podcast is coming out a little later than I wanted. Um, I wanted to kind of keep it more on a regular weekly basis, but this one fell behind because I've been sick. And I tell you, there is nothing grosser than listening to sick people talk on your headphones. Oh, my God. Like that and chewing gum. If you really want to drive me crazy, put me on a treadmill In my headphones, the only thing I can hear is chewing gum and sick people. And I'll tell you, I hate sick people so much, I, uh, on the commercials where people are sick because they're trying to sell you uh, cold medication or whatever, as soon as I hear anybody talking like this, I'm so stuffed, ah, ah, no, done, fast forward, mute, whatever it takes, it's, I can't, I see them looking sick, I hear them sounding sick, gross. I, I don't want it. I don't want that. And but I, I am I'm still a little under the weather, but fear not. I'm going to edit out any, you know, sound of me being sick, coughing, sniffing, any of that. So you're not going to have to put up with that. But I thought it would be good uh, to do this on the last day of the illness because I thought, you know how you're sick and sometimes um, it changes your voice and it makes you sound a little bit better, actually, than usual. Um, you know, maybe uh, like a, like, you know, you hear all those smokers and they've got that cool voice until, of course, they start laughing and then you think they're going to hawk up a lung. But when they're talking, like Billy Joel, like that guy smokes like crazy and he's got, but he's got that really great voice. So hopefully I can get, you know, maybe some of that mojo, that illness voice mojo going on. Um, you know, there's so much in the news going on. Uh, we got a, we got stuff to talk about before we get into today's topic. I'm not going to talk about healthcare. I'm not going to talk about politics. I'm going to talk about what really is important to you, to me, and that is I saw Def Leppard in concert. Yes, I know. Recently, I saw Def Leppard in concert, and not just Def Leppard. No, no, triple bill of power. Cheap trick, poison. Def Leppard. That's right. Can't, yeah, you can hardly contain yourself, can you? You can't believe it's true. Yes, indeed. Um, my review of the show is everybody sounded pretty good. Um, the lead singer of Def Leppard, Joe Elliott, claims he has laryngitis. I don't know if this is true or not because uh, one of my friends I told this to and he was like, yeah, no, I heard him on some, you know, entertainment show. He sounded like crap. He always sounds like crap. He always claims he has laryngitis. So maybe Joe Elliott is done. Too bad. Because he, he was he was not good. You know, he couldn't hit any of the high notes. He was raspy the whole way through. Did not have any benefit of any illness at all, unfortunately. Um, the one-armed drummer there in full effect, and, and clearly he had been practicing with his time away. He, he sounded better than ever and, and certainly uh, much more capable. Um, the, one of the reasons why I, I believe 
that Joe Elliott's voice is completely shot is because they did a cover of Rock On. Hey, dear, beauty queen. You know, it's got the vocal range of about three notes. And if you're in his condition, no problem. Now, mind you, it was probably the best version of that song that has ever been done. But it's really a lame song. So there's no reason to do any version of that song. Hey, rock on, rock on. Yeah, no, if you're a hard rocking band, you do not do that song. And this is the other problem. Too much of the later Def Leppard. Now, Def Leppard, uh, really, their career is split in half between hard rocking band when metal was king in the 80s, and they felt the pressure to synth it up. And, you know, and plus the drummer lost his arm, so of course they couldn't have real drums anymore, so they just said, let's synth it up, and we'll have keyboards. And, and so Hysteria came out, and... Um, Adrenalize came out, which are not good. I mean, they're okay. And honestly, if any other band had done those two albums, they would be, they would be perfectly acceptable albums. But when you start off with High and Dry, Pyromania, those are great albums. You know, Photograph, great album. Uh, Rock of Ages, even though I don't think that's what it's called. Uh, great album. And to go from those two albums into techno synth land, it's a bit of a bummer. It's like when uh, Van Halen did 1984 and like Jump is all keyboarded out and you're kind of like, I don't really want to hear Eddie Van Halen do a keyboard solo. I kind of think guitar is really more his thing. Now, of course, to be fair, on that album, you know, you got Hot for Teacher, which is an amazing song and definitely showcases him. But really, it's a drag when you see it head that way. And I get it. You're trying to do new things and you're trying to stretch out. But at some point, when you lose most of who you are because you're trying something new, nah, it's not worth it. You got to you got to try you got to try something new, new, which is, you know, the first rule of acting is. Just do something. Make a choice and do it. And I complained about that earlier, so I'm not going to get into that. But the second rule of acting is just because you made a choice doesn't necessarily mean it's the right choice. And then the third rule of acting is um, try to make a choice. Ooh, there was a nice ah, little Peter Brady there for you. Try. Try to make a choice that's not the obvious choice. And clearly they did that with Rock On. Hey, kids, rock and roll. So... That aside, uh, musically, they did sound good. Oh, but the, the, the weirdest part of the show is the, the, the surviving guitarist, because they had two and one of them died. Uh, Phil Collin, not the lead singer of Genesis, Phil Collin uh, is uh, the guitar player who, is, who has always been there. And he clearly has been doing two things in his time off. He has been working out and he has been practicing the guitar. Because for those of you who know Def Leppard, or for those actually, for those of you who don't know Def Leppard, um, the music was never particularly challenging, right? I mean, every good beginning guitar student always wanted to learn Scorpions and Def Leppard because they were playable. So clearly, Phil Collin has been just practicing the hell out of the guitar because, you know, he'll do one of his memorable licks you know, solos from, you know, photograph or whatever, and then throw in a, you know, 
Uh, he wouldn't do that with his mouth. He would actually play that on the guitar. Yeah, because that would be really weird. Uh, just playing a solo and then then like did people release turkeys in here what is going on with you um and so that was okay you know whatever a little weird um the gratuitous guitar solos from um from poison and i don't remember they i think they did one with def leppard they did a bass solo with def leppard which made zero sense i don't know who the hell is asking for that and it kind of makes me wonder if the band is asking for that is the band like look um i'm i'm tired i'm hot i'm sweaty you know, let's just have the bass player do something i'll go bang a road a groupie bang a groupie and have some i have a fresca and then we can come back and do the rest of the show while he masturbates on stage cuz really that's all it is it's just dudes masturbating on stage, and nobody wants to see it. The C.C. DeVille masturbation, master, masturbatory section of their set was pretty terrible. Um, it wasn't. It just sounded like a jumble. You could, I mean, you could get a cheese grater and just rah, 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 on the on the strings, and it would have sounded just as good. But maybe that's because I was in the cheap seats, and so you know, maybe the acoustics or lack thereof screwed that all up. But let's get back to Phil Collin. Clearly been practicing the guitar and clearly been working out because he spent the entire show shirtless, oiled up, and playing the guitar. Um, it, it really, really, I was just getting into something. All right, I'll answer the phone. I'll be right back. And we're back. All right. So anyway, so uh, Phil Collin. I guess he's trying to show off the fact that he's working out and I'm guessing he's heterosexual, but he kind of looks like the chorus for Right Said Fred. You know, it, it doesn't come off looking super, super hetero. You know, he, any dude who oils himself up kind of, that's that's kind of going in a weird direction. And look, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I love it when dudes are like, this is just going to get all the chicks and I'm going to oil myself up and it's going to be awesome. And then the only people who are looking at you are gay men. That's fantastic. I love that. It's like, really? 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 And 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 I know... It wasn't because of the heat. Because, I mean, it's not like we were seeing this in Phoenix. You know, we were, it was, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Uh, and, you know, Joe Elliott's putting on more and more clothing. And no, not Phil. He's out there all shirtless. Beginning to end. No shirt the entire time. Oh, and so um, going back and looking at the um, old podcasts, and this is an interesting aspect uh, to doing this, is that you start out with not a whole lot to talk about, you know, you got a couple of topics, and then as it goes on, you sort of look back at older podcasts and you realize there are things you missed, there are things you didn't say right, there are things that need clarification, and it kind of feeds itself, you know, it gives you more material to talk about the longer you do this, because there are so many other things that need clarification or elucidation. Wee. Fancy words. Uh, so, uh, great reaction to the boob cast. First of all, I have to say, apparently now, I am not doing this podcast just for me. We have, I think, three confirmed listeners. I don't think that's going to change how I do the podcast. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be, you know, nervous or self-conscious because we now have an audience 
I think I'm just going to keep doing it the way I've been doing it. As long as it's not my parents, shouldn't change anything. And it's not. not neither, n- neither, neither of those three people are my parents. Oh, yeah. Reaction to the boob cast. Uh, by the way, if I could have a podcast that was nothing but talking about boobs, that would be fantastic. The boob cast. Um, and every, it's, it's everybody's favorite episode so far of the three people. I think it's the one that they like the best. Um, and, and that's good and bad, you know, because it's great that we actually have we, me, whatever. Uh, well, it was, it was we, cause it was me and Jennifer who did the boob cast. It's great that we have a favorite episode, you know, at least like, you know, cause if you said to somebody like, Oh, what's your favorite episode? You'd be like, eh, I don't know. They're all kind of the same. You know, eh, that, that wouldn't be very good. But so if, if we have a best episode, well, that's that's inspiring. That means we've got something there. That's my David Letterman impression. Ooh, hey, that's a hey, hey, kids. Hey. Um, but the great news is it wasn't our first uh, podcast episode either. And, um, you know, uh, going back to the thing in the in the first where I was talking about the first episode, um, having your first creative endeavor be great is one of those times when you don't want your first to be great. And it, and it's, it's weird. Like you want it to be just good enough Uh, because the pressure is enormous when it's your first creative endeavor, you know, your first movie, your first book, your whatever, and have it be amazing. You know, the next one, everybody's expecting it to be amazing. And there was a guy, I can't remember what book he wrote, like The Invisible Man, but not the one where the guy's actually invisible. It has something to do with race relations in America. I don't know, whatever. Uh, Like he flipped out and he was like, you know, he wrote this book and then he just like, it was so, you know, applauded and heralded that he was like, screw it. I'm never going to live up to that. I'm never writing a thing again. Now, I don't know if he made enough money off of this one book to never write again, but he didn't care. He's like, yeah, I'm done. Feh. That's right, because he's writing a, a book about being an African-American, and he says, Feh, a lot. I'm sure he does. Oh, yeah, and then the last... Uh, oh, so anyway, so what I was going to say is uh, podcasts. Um, the great thing about podcasts and doing radio and stuff like that, it's good that... I, I think people have realized now that not every show is going to be amazing, right? Not everything's going to be a home run. And, and, you know, you look at baseball players, same thing. No one bats a thousand. And, and especially with, you know, baseball is a great analogy because you, you come up to the plate. Sometimes you hit a, a base hit. Sometimes you hit a double. Sometimes you hit a home run. Sometimes you whiff it and you just strike out. But I think nobody's writing off Derek Jeter because his last four at bats, which happened to him recently, he got nothing, no hits at all. Um, but they know, they know he's going to be good. They know he's going to, you know, get some more hits in the next couple of games and he's going to be great. They, they don't, nobody sweats it. And I think that's the same thing with podcasts and doing radio. It's like, yeah, okay, you know, he's going to give us another episode pretty soon. Maybe it'll be better and maybe it'll have something else you know, more interesting to say. But okay, this one was so-so and I'm not going to write him off yet. All right, good. I feel, I feel good about that. Uh, finally, in looking back, uh, before we get today, it's today to today's topic. 
Um, the Michael Vick uh, stuff I was saying in in uh, one of the past episodes, you know, I, I noticed I was listening back to it and I kept saying over and over again, you know, the worst part is and the worst part is and I was talking about, you know, media relations and all this stuff. No, really, the worst part is that people in today's society think it's OK to torture dogs, right? Like that's the worst part. You know, I, and, I, and I guess I didn't say that because, well, we all kind of know that. But I really, you know, the more I say it, you know, it would be like me saying, you know, the worst part about Nazis were, no, 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 no we know what the worst part about Nazis were. Uh, it, and, and really the worst part about, because I have a dog and I can't imagine anybody thinking it's okay to torture a dog because they're just the nicest, friendliest animal on the face of the earth. I mean, chickens... Not, I'm not saying I endorse cockfighting, mind you, but chickens, eh, they got no personality. They're ugly as hell. Okay, I'm not saying I'm not saying you should torture them either. But dogs are nice and friendly and cute. And and, and to be so, so cold-blooded to, to think it's okay uh, to do that because you've created this sort of sport around them. No, that, that is the worst part. But we all knew that, but I just had to say it out loud. You know, that's another thing I do a lot, is I, I, I say stuff to people, and I, I say, look, I know you know this, but I have to say it out loud, because if it turns out that I could have prevented something happening, and I didn't, just because I didn't say this, I'm going to feel like an idiot. So I'm going to say this out loud. And then everybody at the end goes, yeah, yeah, okay, I know, I know. But at least I feel better. You know, uh, 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 Miriam and I, we were going to... <laughs> We were going to buy a vacuum. And for those of you who have been following me on Facebook, you know the arduous saga that is the vacuum. But when we went initially, um, this vacuum, she, she, she showed it to me in the Target catalog. She pointed to it. No, she didn't. She didn't point to it. She opened it up. And she said, oh, look, these vacuum cleaners are on sale. And there were two models. And I picked up the one on the right, and she wanted me to get the one on the left. And we thought we were so, and we were so close to being on the same page, and yet we just missed it. But anyway, so sometimes you got to stay stuff out, say stuff out loud, just even though you know everybody knows it. So, um, also, in looking back at uh, the old podcasts, um, I, what I used to, when I started doing this, I was trying to relate each topic and, you know, how it fit in with Fight Club, because, you know, the bit at the beginning is all from Fight Club. And, and I see that movie as very um, uh, defining of men in this time. You know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, because men in this time, well, men in general, I feel are hardwired to be hunters, right? And I feel like women are hardwired to be gatherers, right? That's why most men, most of the people who like watching fights and sports are hunters and, they, and, and they're mostly men. And yeah, there are some crossover. There's some women who like it. It's not exclusive. But on the whole, I feel like men instinctively in their DNA are hunters. And there's just really no place in the society anymore for hunters. I mean, you got, you know, your random, uh, you know, people. Uh, 
I know you've got, you know, your groups in, in the more rural area, rural, 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 rural areas who hunt, but really the people in the big cities, there is no way to hunt. There is no hunting. I mean, that's why I love video games. It's my only chance to be a hunter. And, and Fight Club is all about that's why they start Fight Club, is because these men desperately want to be hunters, and they want to get that out of them somehow, and they can't. And so, all these topics, to me, in some way, kind of relate back to Fight Club. And you'll notice in, in the boobs episode, I kind of shoehorned in that clip about um, uh, Moose's big sweaty man boobs uh, in there. And I'm going to do that now from for every podcast. I'm going to take a clip that has something to do with today's topic and uh, insert it into the into the show and so uh you know some of them will be breaches i'm not gonna lie to you so uh today's topic is worst jobs and clearly if you've seen fight club you know he has one of the worst jobs ever i'm gonna need you out of town a little more this week we got some red flags to cover it must have been tuesday he was wearing his cornflower blue tie you want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise of a status upgrade make these your primary action items Here's your flight coupons. Call me from the road if there's any snacks. He was full of pep. Must have had his grande latte enema. All right. On to today's topic. So today's topic is the worst jobs I've ever had. Uh, I know you'll notice in the um, in the iTunes, I always call the episodes just by one word. And I like that because, I don't know, like uh, Pearl Jam's album 10, I like it where just every song is one word. Because really, even though... You may give something a longer title. Most times, it just gets boiled down to just that one word anyway. And I like the idea of taking a podcast and just sort of smushing it into one word. And plus, it also keeps the topic, you know, both broad and narrow at the same time. But anyway, uh, so today's topic is all the worst jobs I've ever had. And as you will notice... I have so many bad jobs that obviously they all can't be the worst jobs, but they're all, they're all bad, bad jobs. And hopefully we can find the humor looking back on these. You know, there's that old saying, we'll look back on this and laugh someday. I, I think I can laugh at these old jobs, these old bad jobs, um, that I had. Uh, and now that I'm unemployed, I just recently lost the best job I ever had, which is tough. And maybe if I can reflect and look at these old bad jobs, I can sort of decide and and use it to help me gauge what it is I really want to do in the next job. And I can see what I liked about the job I just had and see what I didn't like. Another little Peter Brady there for you. And uh, see what stunk about these old jobs. Uh, Most of these jobs that I'm going to go through, I got because I was a temp. None of these jobs really lasted very long. Um, actually, that's not true. Some of them did. Uh, but uh, yeah, being a temp it kind of is a recipe for bad job, especially if you're a dude, right? If you're a woman, and I know this is going to be sexist, but this is exactly what I found. Nobody ever hires a man to be a receptionist for a temp job. I never got one. I can answer a phone. I can sit behind a desk, phone ring, pick up, hello, you've reached, blah, 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 who can I connect you with? 
click, transfer, five-digit extension, send, whatever. I can do that. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to do that, but, but they don't want dudes doing that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I have, you know, everybody thinks I'm a woman on the, vo- on the phone. Why not? So, if you're a woman, you could possibly luck into those jobs. But as a dude, you're never getting them. You're always getting the terrible jobs. And they really, truly are terrible. Because if they were at all interesting or fun or good, somebody who worked there would be doing it, right? Like, they they give it to you because they can't find anybody who is willing to do this awful, awful job. And the thing about being a temp, too, is they treat you like an office product. They just treat you like this expendable commodity that they are just going to use up and throw away. And they talk the big talk about how they're going to do this and that never pans out. They always treat you like, like just, you know, like toner or, uh, you know, copy paper or whatever. And, one of those clippy things treat you like that. Uh, so let's get into the bad jobs. So uh, when I was uh, very well, when I was uh, out of college, I had a temp job uh, working for Ziff Davis Expos and uh, ZD Expos, and they did um, you know a, a lot of the computer trade shows uh, because because Ziff Davis also had this very popular magazine arm as well, and so they would do the expos for. Uh, the magazines like, you know, Macworld. I think they did Macworld. And, but I know they did a Novell one. So I was, uh, doing data entry for the registration cards for that. Oh my God. What a nightmare job. Um, I, my hands have never been in so much pain in my life. Uh, and they, and, and they, the, the managers there would give you such lip service about, oh, you know, we want everybody to be ergonomic. And this was in the 90s, really before ergonomics really sort of took off. And they were like, yeah, you know, you should get up and stretch and all this stuff. And then they would have meetings about, you guys are not entering in enough cards, you know, more cards, more cards, more cards. And you're like, oh my God, like I would go home on a Friday and try not to use my hands because they hurt so bad because I was just trying to get them to heal enough so when I went on Monday, they weren't just on fire. And then, you know, there was this enormous pressure to do more cards and more cards. And, you know, it was such a weird environment, too, because most of the place was temps, right? Because it was all this sort of seasonal convention work. And so they would bring in all the temps, they would data in, they would key in all the um, registration cards. And then, you know, once the convention was over, they would just, you know, let everybody go. And they had like four full-time employees, all of which had big 20-inch monitors, ergonomically friendly keyboards. We had Mac Classics. They weren't called Mac Classics at the time, but that's, you know, they're, they're the Macs with the little seven-inch screen and, um, and, you know, the straight, flat keyboard. And we were three in a room, and so... We start talking to one another because it's mindless work, you know. We, we make banter and we talk about movies and whatever. And then they all gathered us into a meeting and they were like, uh, you guys can't talk anymore to each other uh, because uh, some people have been saying inappropriate things. So we're like, okay, fine. So we closed the door. We talk to each other. No, 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 no. You can't have the door closed. Open the door back up. 
Uh, okay. So really, the best thing they did for me was fire me from that job because I was making a ton of mistakes. And then, like the next week, they hired me, but on the sales side. Wow, what a difference that made. Oh my God, that was so great. Um, you know, we, there was almost no typing. It was just talking to people on the phone. It was, and, and you got commissions and the pay was better. And I was like, thank God you fired me. This is awesome. One of the craziest things that happened though, uh, while I was still on the data entry side was for one of the permanent employees, they had a birthday party and it was like one of the higher ups in this company. And nobody came except temps. And so, like, and they really, like, that's, I shouldn't say nobody came. Like, three other full-time employees came and a bunch of temps. And so, when it was time to sing happy birthday, it was really uncomfortable. It was, happy birthday. Wow. It was, uh, it was an odd scene. And I was just felt like a dude who showed up for cake. Oh, and they also accused us, accused us of stealing um, Swiss Miss hot cocoa packets. This was one of the few perks to that job was uh, they had Swiss Miss. And, you know, it's like, and they were like, people are stealing it. And, and I was like, well, maybe you're noticing more gone because you've had an influx of temps and it's the only job perk. I know I was drinking two a day uh, full packets, mix it up, chocolatey goodness. All right. Yeah. No. Accused of stealing the chocolate cocoa powder. Awesome. Ah, and then I worked at Novell. And uh, no- <laughs> Novell, uh, they make, uh, they, you know, back in the old days before, you know, servers, file servers were really common. They had their own, like, file server architecture doodad, whatever. Anyway, so I worked there cleaning up a reports room that these people are animals. It's unbelievable. Like, people would just take these, like, four-inch binders of paper that no one ever has ever read. And you could tell that no one has ever read it because they were literally on a pile on the floor. And and they had this whole hanging system. And so I was to go in there and hang them up and straighten it up. And there was a couple other things I was there to do. Um, but, you know, in a job like that, you really just feel like, what, are you, what am I doing here? I'm straightening up this room for clearly these people who don't read these stupid reports. What's the point? What are we doing? And and having a job where you realize the complete lack of value in it is awful. Uh, there's another job like that coming up. But what was interesting about that job was uh, I, you know, yet again, nobody ever has a free cube uh, to put the temp. So you always have to find somebody who's on vacation and then stick the temp in their cube. And it was really weird because I was in, uh, I don't know, a Beverly Johnson, I, whatever her name was. And I was in her cube and, you know, I was, I was typing some stuff. And then like every day somebody would show up, you know, tapping on the cube wall. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Are you? And then they would lean over to look at the faceplate on the cue ball, lean back. Are you Beverly? And, you know, no, I may like sound like a woman. I'm clearly not a Beverly. And I'd be like, uh, no. And it was funny, too, because if they could have looked past me, they would have seen Beverly was a middle-aged black woman with two kids. No, I am not Beverly. See this? This is not this is not my cube. This is not my stuff. I don't know these people. No, I'm not Beverly. Um 
Yeah. Um, look, I'm trying to find accounts payable. Do you know where that is? No. No. I'm a temp. I don't know. I know where this desk is. I know where the kitchen is. I know where the bathroom is. So I can go there and scream. <laughs> uh, and, and what was really strange was the guy uh, across the cube hallway was a guy whose last day it was there when my first day was there. And he had a funny rap because he had just been on a buddy's bachelor party on a houseboat and apparently nobody showed up. Uh, I, I felt bad for the guy a little bit, but he was kind of annoying. I mean, it was really no mystery why nobody showed up. I mean, he's like, he's just calling people. Yeah, my last day. Woo. Yeah. And he's kind of loud. And you know, Roy, let's call him. He'd be like, hey, uh, so how come you didn't make it to the bachelor party? You know, and, and you're on a houseboat. I mean, there's nothing you can do. It's not like you can go out and find more people. I mean, it's it was it turned out to be like, three people the entire weekend on this houseboat working on a jigsaw puzzle. Of course, I'd always send, you know, the, the, the one day I was there, that Roy was there, I'd always send people over there, uh, you know, when they asked me for directions. Oh, no, but uh, Roy can help you over there. Go on, go talk to him. Oh, uh, yeah, because he loves to talk. He's got nothing to do but talk. One of the few temp jobs that I ever got fired from was... Um, <laughs> This one where, you know, as a temp, I, I lied a lot, you know, and I claimed to know software programs that I didn't and uh, or, or kind of knew, but not really. And I was, uh, you know, as dumb or as, as um, you know, incapable as I was, I was miles, you know, if you're dependable at all as a temp, you're clearly way better than 90% of them because there's a reason most of these people don't have real jobs. Uh, and the reason I didn't is I was, you know, I think I was in and out of college or I was trying to get some stuff going on, whatever. Uh, but I was, I was way better than most of them, except for this one job where I get there and I told them I was, I knew word perfect. Yeah, word perfect. Clearly the inferior word processor. I don't even know if anybody uses it anymore. I know law firms were the last vestige of word perfectness in the world, but I said I knew it. And the job was they they had this manual, this this mimeographed manual that had been clearly mimeographed several times over and it looked like hell and there were corrections to be made on it and so somebody had gone through with a pen and crossed stuff out written stuff in the margins and i had to retype the pages with corrections on them in word perfect because they didn't have the original files or they were never computerized. They were probably typed up on like an IBM Selectric back in the day. So I had to type these out and I'm typing these and I realize they are instructions for how to care for the elderly. And the specific section I had to work on was what do you, how do you handle diseased feces? Like you're changing the bedpan of somebody who has some nasty flesh-eating virus. Like what sort of biohazard suit do you have to wear in order to do this? I was like, oh. And as soon as I realized like what I was typing, because a lot of times you type stuff and you don't really pay attention. And I was like, oh, this is gross. Uh, and, and But what was so crazy about that job was 
I had been asked in uh, because they were trying to speed up the project. They had this other woman who had been working on it, uh, another temp who had been working on it for a while. And I was brought in because, you know, it was just too much for one person and they were trying to get it done faster. She was clearly the favorite. And I would walk into the room and I clearly remember the two of them laughing hysterically seeing me stopping on a dime and the woman who I reported to is just like, can I help you? Like I had ruined, like I had brought in with me the diseased feces and sort of chucked it on her desk and be like, what up, bitch? Let's party. Woo! Right. Because that's how I roll. Clearly, I've been reading about it. Wanted to get my hands dirty a little bit. Uh, But yeah, it was weird. I have never felt that just hatred towards me in any other job than that. And honestly, it was, again, fine. I got fired. Probably the best thing for me because I didn't know WordPerfect. You know, another job that uh, I I I lied about getting um, was uh, (laughs) there was this company where they made uh, legal aids, graphics for for suing people, basically. And so, you know, charts and graphs and things. And I was brought in, um, you know, to make this chart. And, you know, uh, no direction. They, they had given me, the, the owner of the company, it was a small company, and the owner of the company had brought in his kid's Mac, so, because they just didn't have any extra computers. And and the kids' Mac, they had rented. The woman who originally was doing this job, she was still doing the job, but again, they needed more help. So, they brought me in. I lied. I said I knew Illustrator, probably version three at the time. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, she had a nice rented Mac. Clearly, they were not going to do that for this, you know, uh, extra temp. So, he brings in his kids, like, Mac Quadra 650, which was about half the power of what she had, barely had enough RAM in it to run Illustrator. They didn't have two Illustrator licenses for it, so I had to unplug the network connection, launch Illustrator, plug the network connection back in because Illustrator was smart enough it would check the, the network... <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, check the network you were on and... um and see if there were licenses with the same serial code out there. Yeah, pretty pretty smart. It was it was a mess. And then I here is the key. Here's here's one of the things I learned on this job. Trust no one. There was a girl there. I can't remember what she was talking about. She was some other person and she was talking about I don't know, trying to get ahead or trying to do this or that. I can't remember what. And I said, "Look, I'll be honest with you, I, I barely knew Illustrator before I came here, but, you know, I picked it up pretty quick, and I came in, and I did the job. And she told people. The dumb bitch told people. Now, look, I understand if my work had sucked, uh, it would make sense, but it didn't. It was good. It was it was what they wanted, and and yet she rats me out. I was trying to confide in her. I was trying to help her out. Yeah, you know what? It, looking back, I, I was an idiot. Because, you know, she probably was trying to do the company a solid. She probably wasn't trying to get me fired. She was probably trying to say, look, you're paying this idiot all this money and he doesn't know what he's doing. You should fire his ass. So that's the key. Trust no one. Probably the longest, worst job I ever had was working at a law firm. And I know, I see, I've done it. I know I will never, ever do that again.
Because working in a law firm is it's it's a mess because it's this very clear hierarchical caste system of employees, right? There are lawyers, and these are people who believe that they can win your case. I mean, you have to have a certain level of ego in order to believe I can out-argue that guy, right? I have such a clear understanding of the law. I can write an awesome contract. I can, I've got it all figured out. I will argue your case. I'll win. We'll do all this stuff. It'll be great. I'll file your patents that your entire company and livelihood is based on. So clearly there's got to be some, some ego involved, right? And then, the uh, legal secretaries, they get the brunt of that ego. And so now they're mad and they're put upon. And then who do they get to put upon? But ta-da, me, the file clerk. And I had people who were mad because they couldn't find a file. And I'm like, yeah, well, there's no, there's no f- file control system here. You just have you know, people wandering in and out of here all the time. I mean, if you had like a dedicated file clerk where people said, you know, I need to check this file out to this person. Yeah, then you could keep track of this stuff. Or maybe I just didn't know the alphabet. That that could be too. There was a closet they had there that their, their file room was so small that they expanded it into this closet. And so every once in a while, I'd have to put files away in the file closet. Oh, it was so great because you would just close that door behind you and it would block out all sound of the outside. And I would just sit in there. It had a little footstool and I would just sit in that footstool and I'd just be, oh, please. Because uh, it, it, it was a mess. Now that place, that perk there they had was free chocolate. And they had chocolate in the the kitchen and you would just... The only thing that would sort of make you not hate the job is just shoveling chocolate into your face. And you would feel your teeth aching because you would just abuse the free chocolate so much. And I remember at one point, I was really trying to get out of there. And apparently, I called the temp agency and I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. And they were like, please hold it out. You know, stick it out one more week. I was like, fine, fine, fine. Apparently, nobody wanted to be there. And they were just trying like hell just to keep anybody in there for any amount of time. And at one point, they we didn't get along. And, and yet, they still offered me a job there, which I don't understand at all. Uh, and I was like, you know... <laughs> I uh, I didn't get a college degree to be a file clerk, okay? And they were like, oh, no, 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 you don't need a college degree for this job. And I was like, no, I have a college degree. I don't. There's more and more Lewis Black for you. I don't want to be your file clerk. That's always, it's a lot of fun to do if it's only for three words. Um, so after, I speaking of that law office job, that was right when I was trying to get my recording studio happening. And uh, I, I ran the recording studio for a while, and it, if there's any way to f- make that sound less professional, then, then that's how we need to, to talk about it, because it wasn't anything quality, uh, even though it was analog, 8-track, reel-to-reel, uh, you know, this was yet again right on the cusp of the digital revolution where I had invested all this money in analog equipment and then, you know, like two years later just got wiped out by it. Um, 
but uh, really though that's not what made me shut down the recording studio what made me shut down the recording studio was all the flaky uh, recording people, you know, cause when I started it, I thought, okay, this is going to be a little recording studio. I'm going to get the singer songwriter, you know, the acoustic guitar guy to come in and lay down some tracks. Uh, I thought that's who I was going to get. No, no. I got a lot of kids from East Palo Alto who were wannabe rappers a lot. I mean, that was exclusively, oh, we had one metal band. And uh, we had some Latin rappers at one point. They were very interesting. They they were pretty bad. They were really bad. Um, they couldn't. They couldn't. I don't know. They just couldn't get it together. And they had some terrible ideas. They were nice as hell. But yeah, they were terrible. And they kept saying the entire time, "Hey, we're better than those other rappers you got who come in here." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." We had one guy uh, who rapped, uh, but he had a missing front tooth, and so he had this ridiculous lisp, and he spit a lot uh, while he talked. It didn't make for good rapping. Um, I, I, we had a lot of people who would just flake and just not show up. Uh, we had guys who were writing their lyrics, you know, in the recording session. And it's like, really? That's how seriously you're going to take this? You're going to write the lyrics right now? Couldn't be bothered to do this ahead of time? Awesome. Uh, we had one kid who called himself Splurge. It was very embarrassing to have to call him up uh, at some point to confirm, uh, his appointment. And I'd be like, and his mom answers the phone. The guy was, you know, 16. And, uh, he said, um, I, I said, Hey, is, uh, well, hmm. I only know him as splurge. Oh, William phone for you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then um, the reason we got so many kids from East Palo Alto is because we were right next door to a high school. So they would cut class and record over at our place, uh, which was not a good idea. I was desperate, uh, I, I, you know, in hindsight. We actually – I got visited by uh, like a truant officer uh, and wondering what what I was doing in the house and, uh, you know, because he, he thought I was selling him drugs or something. I'm like, no, just recording. So, my, my you know, my favorite uh, lyric that came out of that recording studio was uh, Splurge, I think, actually had the lyric, uh, bitch need dick like coat need a hanger, stuff her in the closet and save her for later. Yeah, that's, that's nice. It's very, uh, it's very positive, uh, which was so great because he was cutting class and he, you know, in playback, listening to that lyric, he hears the school bell and he goes, Oh, damn, I'm gonna, my girl's gonna kill me. I'm supposed to walk her to fifth period. Yeah, that was fantastic. We also had a group of uh, guys in there who called For Your Inspiration, um, who wore tuxedos and uh, sang carpenter songs. Like, Close to You was their signature hit. So I took a break. I listened. I, I thought about things. Uh, I've had a lot to drink. This is uh, the second day. And um, before we go, I have to just mention a few things. First of all, I, I really tried to make my worst jobs funny. I'm not sure they're actually funny. They just, you know, though it is as I was doing it, I was like, wow, is this just not me complaining about terrible jobs? And as much as I tried to make this podcast not about me complaining about things, boy, is that exactly what it sounded like. So I'm sorry if that's what it was. I'm going to try and go back and edit it down and make it 
better and make it not so me complaining yet. And 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 this is kind of interesting because this is sort of like the time traveler's wife where, you know, in the book, he goes and meets people who have met him already, but in his own head, he has not met yet. Just read the book. It makes more sense if you do. But my point is, is that hopefully when you listen to this, you'll be like, well, I don't know what he's talking about. I thought it was very enjoyable and it was all very good. And he didn't seem whiny or complaining at all. But if you were here in this room when I recorded it, um, yeah, you would be like, damn, dude, that's whiny and complaining. I hope you can edit that down. Because I do have a very uh, urban following. And that's how they all talk. Damn, dude. I hope you can edit that down. Because that sounds just whining and complaining, you fool. Why are you straight tripping, boo? So, um, um, before we go, I just have to say, you know, this really was the complaining podcast. Uh, But if you want to put your life in perspective... Go rent yourself this movie that uh, uh, a wife Miriam and I rented just recently called War Dance, which is the people in um, – uh, oh, shoot. Damn it. What country is it? I don't know. All right. Well, it's a country in Africa. Let's just forget it. It's a country in Africa, and the only thing that this one province in this one country has – is this music competition. All their family has been killed by civil war. Um, They live in a hut that is literally 10 by uh, pi. You know, you figure out the area of a circle. Look, I can't do all the math for you. You got to learn something from high school. It's a tough life. Go watch War Dance. It's not a great documentary. In fact, the trailer... Just watch the trailer, actually. The trailer is kick-ass. Uh, but the the movie is... Meh, but it really does get the point home, which is... Boy, there are people who have lives so much worse than you. And as much as I complain about me being unemployed and I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life and, oh boy, I've had bad jobs in the past and all this monkey business. Oh, oh boy, just go watch yourself some of that and you'll realize that (laughs) what you're complaining about is monkey business compared to what these people have to deal with on a daily basis. And the one, one bright spot that they have in their lives only comes around once a year. So go rent that and... I, you know, this is something that I wanted to include in the death podcast and I totally forgot about, which is uh, right before I recorded the death podcast, which oddly enough is uh, the second favorite to the boot podcast, which is the death podcast. And honestly, I think I'm seeing a through line here, which is we all, we all know, want, care about boobs and we all have to deal with death. And that, I think, may be the great equalizer in all of this. I, I really don't know. But that's something that I wanted to record and, and include on the Death Podcast. And I make outlines. Why I can't read the damn paper properly makes no sense to me. But yes, I, I sit here in front of a microphone, banging myself into my headphones, um, 
and I read off this piece of paper and how I can't figure out, and I even had it on this most recent piece of paper, but there were, there were some things I was trying to do and I was trying to edit on the fly and, uh, Damn, dude, what you doing? You're rambling straight true. Uh, I, I had the paper and I, I was trying to edit on the fly and I think I edited too much on the fly because really what I wanted to say was, uh, right before the death podcast or actually in mid death podcast, cause I usually do this in pieces with a, with a day or two in between just in case I've forgotten something. Um, Frank McCourt died. And Frank McCourt, uh, he wrote a couple of books, uh, most notably, uh, Angela's Ashes and Tiz. And again, you want to feel like you got the sweetest life ever. Go read, uh, I, it's Angela's Ashes is really the one that's really going to make you thankful for your own damn life because he talks about how, um, he lived in a house with no plumbing. And he lived at the end of the block where they all shared a common uh, outhouse. I mean, my God, like you don't even have your own outhouse. And just the smell of death and feces just swirled through the air every damn day. My God, how bad is that going to be? Um, and so if you are complaining about your own life, as clearly I am, go read yourself, you know, just buy the book. It's in paperback now. Flip it over to any random page, jam your finger in there and read it. And it's, and, and, and maybe it's exaggerated, but maybe it's exaggerated by 25%, maybe by 50%. Maybe by a hundred percent. I guarantee you, if it is one tenth that true, it is five hundred times as bad as your life is now. So quit your complaining. But you know, look, if I quit my complaining, there'd be no podcast. <laughs> so, so, uh, really what I need to do is fire up my complaining, blast it into the podcast. And then uh, go read myself some uh, Angela's Ashes to make myself feel better and watch myself a little bit of War Dance. Look for the trailer. So, with that in mind, now that you've had a healthy dose of negativity, go have yourself a positive experience. Have yourself a happy life. Uh, okay, so uh, we're continuing talking about uh, bad jobs and uh, leftover. Uh, not leftover, hold, held over from. <laughs> no, the, I like uh, leftover. Leftover from the last episode. Leftover and tepid. Uh, Jennifer is is uh, here um, and and uh, with and has some terrible jobs of her own. <laughs> Where shall we start? Uh, Chronologically, back in time. Yeah, sure. So the first bad job had to be Park Lane Hosiery in the fabulous Westgate Mall. In Campbell, I believe it's Campbell, West San Jose, um, selling dance gear to little children all over the Bay Area, taking awesome. ballet and whatnot. Um, not nearly as fun as as you might imagine from you know Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's not the kind of mall that was. Just very sad, sad little <laughs> suburban mall. And so I only worked there for three months because they wouldn't give me Halloween off to go to a party. So I quit. 
You threw down your Danskins <laughs> and your Capizios. <laughs> oh, my you God. Stormed, Capizio. Good stormed one. Stormed right out of there. Yeah, and I think they were fine with that. They were happy to see me go. But what, I mean, was it was it a bad gig otherwise? You just say, well, how often do people really need tights and Capizios, right? I need it all the time. <laughs> So I was sitting there for hours doing nothing. And, you know, I'm not going to do homework because that's boring. Um, we found coloring books and crayons at Woolworths and we'd, you know, color <laughs> at, at the register. Wow. That's a real true sign. You don't care about your job when you're coloring. <laughs> oh. And so, okay, so you go from there to the next horrible job. Oh, the next horrible job, Villa Fontana. Um, where I worked in the mornings, serving breakfast to the um, the angry old people I mentioned who were angry because their children had sold their homes right out from under them and put them in assisted living. Um, and they weren't, it wasn't a retirement, oh, well, I guess it was a retirement home. It wasn't a convalescent hospital or anything like that. They were just old, cantankerous, curmudgeonly people who wanted their prune juice when they wanted it. And uh the poached egg had to be just so, and, you know, most of the people had the same thing every morning, but you'd still have to wait for them to read a menu and <laughs> and decide what they were going to eat and give oh. you their order, and um, everybody else who worked there were, were much older than me, senior citizen ladies working there, and I don't even remember how I got that job, but... That's, that's got to drive uh, you insane, though, because you're sitting there just waiting for them to say poached egg. Dig again. And you just you just want to lean over and go poached egg, poached egg, poached egg, poached egg, poached egg. Exactly. And they're just getting the menu. <laughs> and talking with each other. Like, you know, the couples would come down. I don't know, Gladys. What are you? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, the French toast looks good. And I just, I remember the oatmeal mm. would cake up in the big container in the back, and you'd have to keep pouring the hot water in it to keep it, you know, somewhat malleable to get into a a bowl otherwise it just becomes the rock of oatmeal <laughs> i drank so much coffee nothing nothing is a harder substance than oatmeal or eggs like you let them dry you yeah let them and you're done cling to the side throw it away Sandblaster. throw the bowl yeah. away <laughs> you're not getting it off i don't care how you soak it and there's another thing you bring up about old people <laughs> old people are it's it's as if smell funny yes <laughs> But it's as if they have, you know, as a person, we have a finite number of things we can care about and get. I believe that's and true. get excited about and all yes. that stuff. But you would think, you know, it's not like, you know, it's it's not like. Well, when the the number of things you care about go down, now you know you go from twelve to four. It's apparently with old people, you still need twelve things. Really? Well, that's what it seems like from these complaining about the prune juice and my poached egg and where is this and where is that. It's like really, this is stuff that doesn't matter. How about you not care about this? I guess that's true. <laughs> yes. You know, it was and it was the same thing Let too. Like, um, my when my grandparents lived in San Diego in like a retirement area, it just. Ah, oh, the stupid stuff because they they lived on a in a uh, on the edge of a golf course, mm-hmm. and so there were all these rules about what you can wear and and how short can your short how short can your shorts be right, and right. all this drama around nothing and it's like <laughs> really don't you have anything to occupy your time? Well, no, I guess not, and and you so you invent it, you create it. So that you can still feel important, I, I guess, guess, and meaningful. 
but yeah, and you know, not everybody was was super cranky. There was a few nice people, and then they were very kind because they read the paper. But, they got other things right, to care about. That's right. The non paper readers. That's true. Actually, most of those people would go and do their thing and not stay in the the facility all day long. And then you know, the others that maybe once a month when that big white van comes and then they they all go shopping. That was their only outing. And, you know, maybe a lot of those people didn't have family or, you know, interests, outside interests or whatever. But just every morning before school, that would start my day. And so many times hungover, ridiculously hungover, trying to deal with those attitudes and not spilling and dropping and all that. And uh, I don't know how I lasted. It was terrible. Uh, So you go from there (laughs) on to... Well... Well, not directly, but let's yes. let's flash forward to a company that rhymes with Beanet, and that was just a three month endurance sport. <laughs> um, so I had taken that job coming from electronic arts, where you know we were deep into the online development, and the internet was you know still new and exciting, and we're building web pages, and this is amazing, and. You know, oh, right, where the internet blew your mind. That's right, blew it. We are so jaded these days. Absolutely. It was still new and shiny and fun. And um, uh, so I ended up finding out about this job at CNET, and it sounded great. And I thought, well, that sounds like the next step in my path, because I'm not a gamer, but you know, I love working in that environment. But let's let's just get full on into the online development. Let's go. And so I go to CNET, and... Um, you know, go through the whole interview and all that good stuff. And it's so fun and dynamic and crazy and bright primary colors and San Francisco. And, you know, I was living downtown, so it all made perfect sense. Um, but then I get there and um, all sorts of shit hit the fan because the uh, the folks I was working for were remote and, and very uh, controlling and needy and um, micromanagey. And they were trying to manage everybody through IM to see when everybody would log in and log out. And then even though I was supposed to be the manager of the group, um, they were managing for me and asking me all sorts of stupid questions about where people were and when, um, not trusting us to do the job, all that fun stuff. But but get to the tranny. Well, just a second. So, oh, all right. Well, because it kind of sets the stage of horror that I'm dealing with. So, you know, <laughs> while I've just been sold a whole bill of crap goods about what this job's going to be. I'm trying to wrap my head around the the tragedy that's become my life with my skin all broken out and crying every night because my manager wants me to fire a guy he just hired who was a chef and not a front-end developer, but they hired him knowing that anyway, and because he couldn't do the work fast enough, they said he needed to be fired, and I'm not going to fire him, and I'm getting HR involved, and I'm trying to figure out where this train started wrecking and how I get the hell off of it. This person starts coming by my office fairly frequently. Uh, in the beginning, I think her name was Amy, and every few days after that, she was less and less an Amy and more and more a Travis. <laughs> So Amy was going through a sex change uh, procedure uh, journey, let's say. And I was a perfect stranger that she kept coming by to share this with, which good for her, him. (laughs) Him? (laughs) It was just a very strange component of the tragedy that was going on with the rest of my job. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, and that's the thing about bad jobs, like... 
like a, a job will be bad, but then any weird aspect <laughs> to it will just plunge it headlong in, into David Lynch territory. Exactly. You're like. You know, yeah, this job blows, and then here comes a talkwards backing backwards talking midget <laughs> to like really screw with your head, and you're just like, you know, it's stuff like that. It's like you almost it 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 almost makes it not even feel real anymore. That's like it's all absurd, all of it. Yeah, and and so um, I, you know, I kind of think Travis may have picked you to confide in just because he knew those other people were terrible. <laughs> I know those people suck. You, on the other hand, are new. Eh, maybe you suck. Maybe you don't. But, but yeah, probably a good fair chance that I'm open-minded because I didn't know Amy before Amy was Travis. Oh, right. right? No pre- preconceived notions. Exactly. Exactly. So what does... So do you remember... I mean, I know this was a while ago, but do you remember at what point you meet Amy in her transformation? She, As far as I remember, she had just started, I think, in the previous months, like just a few months prior to me arriving, she was uh, she had started the hormone treatments. So, you know, her body had definitely started changing. Um, I think the voice was starting to change as well. Um, so is, you're working with Peter Brady all of a sudden? <laughs> exactly, when it's time oh, to change. Hey, Deborah, how you doing? It was mostly just getting deeper, if I if I remember. And, you know, this is 10 years ago now. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, just I didn't notice anything strange or unusual. And had she not, you know, I would just, you know, nothing freakish i mean so had she not you know actually divulged that she was going through this i would have never asked you know like why is your voice so husky um <laughs> so you were you just thought nah, i'm working with kathleen turner this is yeah, fine exactly yeah, yeah. and who just... doesn't love her so <laughs> 20 years ago in body heat well and living in san francisco i mean there's so many freaks and weirdos, and, you know, I feel very at home there. So Not that she was a freak or a weirdo. Not that there's anything no, wrong, wrong with, with that. that. No, 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 no. No, I mean, our tolerance for, for different people is very, very high. And so I'm just saying sure. there was there's absolutely nothing strange or weird about it, which is why it was interesting that she would divulge that. You know what I mean? Oh, so right. Just there was no reason to share it other than, like you're saying, you know, she had tried maybe sharing it with others who, you know, all, you know, were disappointing in some way. And, you know, here she's got uh, new blood to try it out on and see how it flies. I don't know. You know, the weird thing about, about getting the sex change, going from woman to man, like, can you completely shut down your period Oh, sure. With hormones. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God. The horrendous birth control pills that are out now. Like, why have a period at all if you don't have to? Just don't. Well, they sound awful. Oh, they are awful. (laughs) I mean, the period. No. I'll I'll take a period any day over the hormone issue. Um, Years and years ago, when my cycle was somewhat irregular, I went to the doctor and just mentioned it offhandedly, like, is this perimenopause? What's happening now? Just to try to gather some information. And she said, yeah, I don't know, maybe, but, you know, we could put you on the pill. That'll regulate it. Well, and of you course. were like, no, I wanted to talk about post-70s television <laughs> sequels. What's happening now? WKRP in Cincinnati 2. I didn't really want to talk about birth control pills, but okay, whatever. You brought it up. I'm fine with that. 
Well, she gives me this prescription, which is, you know, supposedly the very lowest dose available. And I started taking it. And within days, I was having these rage attacks that I literally, <laughs> I was going to kill somebody. Jennifer smash! <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I really feared for David's safety. Um, and I stopped taking him. You, you mean know, the ass week, man? The, uh, my beloved ass man. I love you so. Um yeah, they're 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 re- at least for me. Not everybody has such a, an adverse reaction. That's but, like but the talking parts in all those fifties um, <laughs> chick group. You know, like the leader of the pack. <laughs> hey, Johnny, what are you doing tonight? Beloved ass man, I love you so. He's the ass man, and now it's a musical. He's the ass man. No, you know, like all those, like all those girl groups. Yeah, you know, they're all yeah, saying exactly. about how much they love their boyfriends, that's right. and uh, that's right. And they always have to mention something about him, and usually right before he dies. Beloved ass man, <laughs> I love you so. <laughs> uh, be my little ass man. Yeah. <laughs> Beloved ass man. <laughs> anyway, back to hormones. Oh, yeah. They are frightening. Absolutely frightening. Um, especially when um, they don't belong in your body. Uh, at well, least how they react with me. But you didn't so, see Travis flip out or anything. Not that I know of. I mean, who knows what happened when he, she went home. Oh, right. And, you know, the steak wasn't cooked right. I'll kill you. I have newfound strength from my male <laughs> hormones. You know that I wouldn't mind. Actually, I wouldn't mind additional strength. But, um, but yeah, yeah. With with the right common. I mean, in fact, in the news recently with uh, the track and field oh, look world at you championship. I know, right? Listen oh, to this me. is the one about the Pastor Semeya from South Africa. Wow. Seriously, Adam's apple, no hips, mannish hands, um, looks like a dude gotta be a dude gotta be my first thought was okay so we all know well i i'm convinced um all the athletes in track and field are doping and it's just a matter of when these tests are done because they all cycle regularly right so if they're not if the tests aren't done often enough you're talking about drug cycling not menstrual cycling I guess it depends on what you're trying to learn yeah. at any particular time. Yeah, no, steroids, uh, right. performance-enhancing drugs. They're cycles. In. They're cycling. Yeah, they, I, I guess the way they're used, you, you take one for a period of time, you cycle off, you take another one, so on and so forth. Um, so if you've already cycled off the drug and it's out of your system when they do the test, of course, you know, you're, you're deemed clean or whatever. Right. Um, but so the other thing that's suspect, all these runners from Brazil – are suddenly all doing really well at the same time. So there's there's a lot I find very suspicious. So when this girl, and literally she's still a girl, she's 18, maybe 19 now, and she blew doors on uh, everybody in the women's 800 by a, like a mile, which is unheard of. There's the train. Go ahead. Um that was amazing to see and, and sort of unbelievable. And then, you know, you see these photos of her and you're thinking, my God, that's just, she can't be, I mean, she's got to be a dude. So my first thought was, you know, maybe they've just been experimenting with drugs at a younger and younger age. So I started doing some research, Googling, just, you know, wondering, like, what's, what's the occurrence of this in the past or whatever, past uh, scandals, maybe. And... um I can't remember their names now, but athletes from uh, Germany and maybe one other country, I forget now, but have essentially been turned into men from the amount of steroids they were given in, in uh, their young womanhood. Now they're essentially living as men. They have been turned into men. So, wow. yeah, no more period. 
I'm, I, I guess they still have the vajayjay, uh, but, but no more menstruation. Wow. They are dudes now. I tell you, That's man, frightening. the no period sounds awesome. Well, if I could get away without having that and still uh, no uh, ill effects from that, of course. Yeah. Who wants to sit around and bleed for a week? Not me. It's really not the best way to spend your time. Yeah. And it can be painful. The cramping. Yeah. Oh, the cramping. Yeah. And the unquenchable thirst for donuts. Oh, my God. And human blood. And human baby blood, preferably. <laughs> blood from new babies. Awesome. <laughs> yes. I like that we went from... Uh, <laughs> Terrible jobs. To the blood of human babies. Yeah. (laughs) In the span of, what, two minutes? Yeah. Well, that's the way the podcast works. That's right. You know, you only know where where you're starting. You don't know where you're ending. That's true. Yeah. That should be on a t-shirt. Oh, I like that. Get on that. Yeah. For the five people who listen. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I'm being optimistic. Three people, (laughs) counting myself, who listen to the podcast. And me, sure. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, you're one of them. David might overhear it when I play it on the computer, too. So don't... (laughs) Don't count that out. Yeah, right. And we have three cats and a bird who might also hear it. <laughs> and wear shirts? Yes. They will buy shirts. I would get a shirt for the cats. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm going to put them all in it together. If that is not something Cafe Press is doing right now, they totally need to do that. They actually do. You can get whatever that logo is that you've designed and put it on a cat shirt. Well, it's a dog shirt, but I'm sure you could tie a couple knots in it sure. and make it a cat shirt. Right. Nice. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because that would seem like a, a no-brainer. Yeah. For the crazies. <laughs> so coming back around to oh, yes. So that was a terrible job. Yeah. At the place that rhymes with Bnet, which I've already said, so Twice. it really doesn't matter now. No. I know. But they're all they've all moved on, so no nobody was harmed in the mentioning of that in this podcast, including. Travis. Including Travis. And and all my love goes out to Travis, and I hope you're doing well. Yes. Let's raise a glass let's, to Travis. Travis. Here, let Clank. Me. There you go. Yeah. Thank, you, thank Travis. you, Travis, actually, for making it a, a less <laughs> horrific environment, actually. Although making it very surreal. A little more David Lynch. Yeah, for, to have someone come up to you and go, now, I, I, before we totally give up on Travis um, was the dis- was it like you said that there were updates like mm. uh, you know this is different I've got hairier arms I mean were there those kinds I of I wish updates? I could remember it was it was all in in the span of casual conversation really over just a few minutes she would stop by even if I was ridiculously busy she'd sit down for a minute we would chat for a little while and these things would just come up in conversation. I think she would mention, you know, how she was feeling being on the hormones. I don't remember her saying, like, yeah, I've got, you know, hairy-ass pits or something like that. I don't remember. It was too long ago now. And there was lots and lots of drinking in those years. So there's a lot I don't remember. Probably on both of your parts. Exactly. Parts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, You know, parts. Jennifer, <laughs> my arms are quite hairy and my penis tingles. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Hall. Just wanted you to know that. No. I'm going to go get a Diet Coke now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there was the Diet Coke is the vestige from when she was a woman. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I like that. Yeah, I right. Like that. So there's still, you the know. Bonding you... over the Diet Coke in the office. Right. So yeah. not, not clearly not completely a man That's just right. yet. Still wants a Diet Coke and some peanut <laughs> M&M's. <laughs> 
Because one cancels out the other. <laughs> okay, now you're scaring me. That's 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 my impression uh, of Fred of Norris's. No, oh. that's uh, his Herman Munster impression. Oh, and gotcha. so uh, and then he also uh, Fred Norris on the Howard Stern show. He also uses it for the uh, female bodybuilder that ha- was on the show. <laughs> ah, there you go. Then all right. Yeah. Yes. So it's a little bit well, of crossover. That's interesting. You mentioned that though because she was not in great shape. So yeah. it's not like there was a whole lot of that going on, but right, and then it's you know that's usually you know usually the women who become men are not you know size zeros. Yeah, they're, yeah, there you go. They're a bigger gal, who <laughs> big, big boned. Yes, big boned. Right, right. And uh, plow pullers. And it just, what plow pullers? <laughs> yes, she is strong like ox. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it makes for an easier transition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, this has been fun. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, well hopefully we'll find uh, more people with more bad jobs. Oh, I think you will. Good. Thanks. Yay. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Well, that's it for the worst this week. Hopefully next week we'll have something a little bit more uplifting. Hopefully you've learned something about my bad jobs. Maybe you got your own bad jobs you want to talk about. Uh, the forums are open. Try registering again. People have had problems. Give it one more shot. We'll see how it goes. And for me, all my bad jobs, Tyler Durden, Jennifer, the music of Bright Brown, and all of us, and all you three people listening at home, we're going to do this one more time. Till then! Till then!